for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Uh, this morning, we have a very special guest. They're based out of Nashville, but they're, they're kind of from Texas a little bit, but they're a little bit all over the place. We have Crow Buntry with us today. How's it going? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Awesome. And so we have, technically, I guess we have Magpie Buntry, who's a member of Crow Buntry as the sole representative, just to kind of clarify a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. how are things going up in Nashville right now? I mean, it's, it's good. It's, it's, uh, it's starting to get hot. I don't have to tell you about it down in Texas. Uh, it's, you know, this time of year, it, uh, it's definitely lake and river weather. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm waiting for the humidity to burn off a little bit. My dad says it's coming, but it's like, I lived in Florida for two years and the humidity never burned off. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah. I just, I just moved out of the main city area, kind of out towards the Cumberland river. And, uh, it's definitely a little bit more humid closer to the river than it is even in the town. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you're based in Nashville. I'm glad to see that y'all are starting to get some show live shows going. I was looking at uh, our buddy Jay old folks. He was played a live show last night. So I'm glad to see that that's starting to open up for y'all a little bit. Have you guys started looking at that to get out and play a little bit or you guys just kind of playing a wait and see stance right now? Well, being spread out the way that we are, um, it makes, it does put some logistical issues with, with, with doing live shows. Um, you know, it's kind of weird because, we you know we've been working on this project for going on a year no just over a year now and and uh one of our stated goals at the beginning was to play some live shows and now we're starting to get some people saying hey so wh when can we see you play where you know when are you guys gonna be on the road and all that good stuff and it's like we'll, we will get it figured out so that we can play some together because everybody loves to play even if it's in smaller groups groupings of us um that may be an option or uh, doing something down in either Texas or, or here for sure. Gotcha. Cause there's a lot of you in the band, correct? How many, yeah, how many yeah. current members are there? My last count was that we're over 12 now. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it, one of the main points of it is that it's, uh, you know, we're not just including the music stuff, but, but we're also doing, you know, art in different mediums, um, trying to get more people involved. Um, so, it's one of those things we're getting people just kind of into their creative impulse and, and, you know, thinking and talking about some of the more classic topics of country music that, uh, that haven't been discussed in a little bit and, you know, really just having fun with it. So yeah, we've got people spread out from California to Toronto, Canada. Oh, wow. Okay. So, that was actually going to be my next question, but you pretty much answered it right there. Um, is there, is it like, everyone's in a completely different area or is there like a pocket of you that's maybe in Nashville or a pocket of you that's in that you could do like small area shows if, if need be. Yeah, there are, there are, uh, Nashville does have a couple of us and, uh, then, then, uh, Dallas Fort Worth area does have a couple of us. Um, you know, it, it's, and it's one of those things too, where there's a lot of, um, you know, all, all of us have been friends for quite some time and then we're, you know, we travel between to do writing and, and to, uh, you know, just catch up really. Um, so, so yeah, there, I mean, it is something where we can get a couple of us together to jam and write in person, which is nice, but now because of, you know, this technology and being able to do all this stuff, we, we don't need it all the time, which is great. Um, you know, we can just sit down on a Saturday night with a friend on the other side of the country or the other side of the world, even 
hash out a song and, and <laughs> even then start, you know, doing some demo recording and sending back and forth between our home studios. That's awesome. That's have you guys uh, started experimenting with like the live stream show or the virtual concerts and stuff like that? Or, or we have you... it, it was it was funny. We were kind of talking about it before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about doing something like that. And then, it, you know, everybody is on it and doing it right now. Um, so we, we figured, you know, wrapping up some of the songs that we're writing and recording um, is yeah. a better area of our time to not really be fully competing with the fact that everybody's doing a live stream at this exact moment and yeah there'll be a time in a month or two where they can they can all go back out to stages and the live stream option will still be there yep um so it's definitely been discussed <laughs> um but yeah. it was discussed more in terms of before uh before everybody had to wear uh, face masks and bandanas and we were like oh this would be something fun for us to do <laughs> yeah absolutely you know and even with like a crew your size or a band your size doing the live streams that it out opens up a whole bunch of logistical issues that you're going to run into because like so you got like the natural latency of the internet which is interesting and especially with music and timing being so important you guys will have to try and figure out how to make that work because there's like a natural half second delay between like especially between you and me right now just talking there's a natural half second delay just from like all the processing and what have you so that'll be an that's an interesting thing to watch bands overcome and I've definitely seen it where some bands have that mentality to think like almost Mm three-dimensionally to where you gotta think outside the box and and really be you know in in a different place I watched uh this past weekend, the, the the tribute to John Prine, where they had some some remote uh, playing, and um, I mean it, they're it's getting figured out. <laughs> so, you know, something. Well, and some so- some streaming softwares are better than others. Like like right now, I know Zoom. It probably isn't the best choice to do it, just because it's that they they have so many things in place to try and keep um keep like noise background noise and stuff down so zoom's probably not the best place to be doing musical live streams but there are definitely other softwares out there that have it figured out or have a better grasp on on that so yeah a lot of the um a lot of the ones where you can kind of do the um almost like karaoke along with Mm -hmm. it but you can sing with somebody else they seem to be uh at a point where there's not really the latency issues that you would expect i mean so you know, it's 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 definitely something with a little bit of, little bit of research and and uh, stuff. You you can figure it out, and and people are, like I said before, experimenting in it so much right now, just because of the, because of the pandemic and not being able to do your your normal thing. Mm-hmm. That I, my guess is there'll be a lot of innovation and a lot of fun stuff that comes out of it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, uh, and especially probably once the pandemic or or like the stay at home orders lift. Then they'll finally have like all this new software that's out that's just like amazing, but nobody's using it because nobody wants to do virtual shows anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's gonna it'll be, be an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting and definitely fun to see. Um, but let, let's kind of pull it back a little bit. Uh, what originally got you interested into music? Well, I mean, I can remember writing and singing at you know my dad played guitar and um uh whenever we'd have like a block party when i was a little kid he would he would be one of the people who'd get up on stage and play whether it be i mean i specifically remember a block party with him playing um uh city of new orleans and just being maybe five six years old and then singing along and um you know that was the first part of it that, that that got me into it and then um just being lucky enough to uh, meet a bunch of people in high school, and then and then when I did move to Nashville for uh, for college, who were genuinely interested in creating good music and listening to good music, and um, really checking out the history of music too, and and not just being in whatever the the current wave of of uh, likability or whatever you want to call it is. Um, so I mean, it's 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 just been a part of me that's that's 
like I said, I, it definitely comes from my dad and from, from him teaching me to play guitar and being on, you know, I remember being on vacation down in Florida, visiting my grandparents when I was pretty little. And all he had was one Patsy Cline greatest hits tape. And we listened to that thing. Like, I don't even know, probably 50 times in the, you know, the week we were down there. And yeah. uh, so that's definitely the, the impetus for it for me, but it's also that just the, needing to get something out needing to uh, create and, and, and be able to kind of commu communicate myself to the world um, with my friends in a, in a fun way and in a productive way. Nice. And so you moved to Nashville when you went to, or when you moved for college, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I moved here in the early two thousands and uh, I've just watched this city change. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's been, it was about two years in between the first time I went to Nashville and the last time I went to Nashville. And just even within those two years, Nashville's like, wait a minute, where am I? What am I doing? You know, yeah, I, I couldn't, like we went back in January and it was like, wait, I don't even know where I'm at right now. Like, no, so it, I completely understand. I can only imagine how it's changed over the course of 15, 20, you know, over the 15, 20 yeah, years, you know, it's pretty wild. Cause when I first moved down, you know, down here and then it was like every bar on, on Broadway, the main street here, you know, had one floor, maybe two with performers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the rest of it was just, you know, offices or, you know, whatever above it. And, you know, now, these, these buildings are all four floors with a stage on each one, a DJ on one and bands on all the others, but prior to pandemic and then, mm -hmm. and then a rooftop. And I remember sitting down at, um, I want to say it was Robert's Western world. It was one of the one, the first ones on that block. It was either that or legends and talking with my dad back in like 2006 or seven. And we, we looked up at the rooftops and said, Hey, that's a lot of real estate up there that these guys are not using in any way. Mm -hmm. And now there's a rooftop bar on every one. I mean, they, oh. they're, it's pretty wild the uh, the changes. I mean, this city becoming the bachelorette capital of the country over Vegas is like, how does that happen? You know, but yeah, it's right <laughs> you know, and it's funny. It's really funny because I went down broad last time we went there. We made it a point to go like experience Nashville a little bit, just because every time we go somewhere. It's, we're there for work and we work 18 hour days just because we know we've only got like three or four days we don't have a whole lot of time right and so we go there we work and we don't even really get to experience but the last time we went to nashville it was like you know what we're here let's go experience a little bit like we've got five hours before we got to go do anything let's go do something like let's go experience nashville a little bit and i was like well let's go down broadway so we did and just to park for an hour i was like man i'm not paying 15 dollars to park for an hour like i and then of course after i bring that up to a few people they're like oh you should have called me i could have gotten you like free parking or cheaper parking yeah. or you know, whatever and it's like well it's a mess down there i mean it's one of those things where even just finding the parking and stuff if you don't have a friend who can get you in their garage or whatever yeah you know it's like it's it's almost better just to park somewhere five minutes from actual downtown because it's pretty close and just call yourself an uber because you're going to spend the same amount of money and you know you're, you're not going to be driving through a downtown area that's packed with with drunk people i mean i was in an uber six months ago headed uh, i forget i was headed to see a buddy show actually which i don't go down there that often but and dude walking with a beer in his hand just steps right in front of the uber and if the guy hadn't been paying attention that guy would have been splat you know wow. That's crazy. People are just you know, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's interesting because it's like I when we went down there, it seemed like they had a lot more guardrails up to kind of protect people from walking off the main sidewalk there. But it's just like because when we went down there, I really wanted to go to uh BB Kings. That's where I wanted to go. Oh yeah. And so we're sitting there, we're pulling through and like just this was like a Sunday morning, so it wasn't quite jam-packed yet. It was just like a, I'd consider it a casual Sunday, so to speak. 
and just like just seeing the people walking around with beer and one guy almost did the exact same thing where he just was wasn't paying attention and it's like luckily my light had just I think I was at like a stoplight or a stop sign I was stopped for some reason but he just jumped out right in front of me and it's like okay you know yeah drunk so, people have have less of a sense of self-preservation than the rest of us <laughs> absolutely absolutely so we we'd kind of been talking about we we've talked about uh crow buntry and like how spread out you are was that the original idea for the band was it to just have like a collective of people all over the country or were did it just happen to work out like that i mean it's kind of a, a mixture of the two because it, we all started out by just uh you know a bunch of us we're all, we're all here in nashville for some reason or another and we were just playing guitars one night and started to write a couple songs we were like these are none of our individual like wheelhouses or anything along those lines so how are we going to put these out and what are we going to do with it and then you know from there it kind of snowballed into being you know different people that from around the country who we know saying hey this is fun you know you want to send that over to me i can do this on it and uh um inviting friends in to play parts and kind of you know let them in on the collective and then you know we've gotten such great feedback from uh from really all over the place not even just the states in canada but um england sweden luxembourg places that you don't yeah. think for country music but um it clearly has a pretty strong following in at this point um are you know reaching out and saying that they they appreciate what we're doing and then that uh um they're they're enjoying the tunes which you know that's what it really comes down to for all of us is being able to um make songs that people enjoy listening to yeah absolutely you know you brought up i think in the the all the international markets that you didn't know i know the uk is really starting to build up their own like country scene i've, I've had a few of their like up-and-coming country artists on the podcast a few times and you know it's really interesting because I asked straight up, I was like, so what does country music sound like in the UK? Is it all cowboy hats, big pickups and cowboy boots like it is here in the US? And they're like, well, yeah, we have that. We call them posers because that's not what country life is here in the UK. And so like the UK is really trying to find their own authentic sound within like the country realm, which is really interesting. And so. Yeah, they have such, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of this funny situation with the UK, I think, because there's such a um, history of of folk music coming mm -hmm. from there. You know, so all, like a lot of the folk songs that we know, you know, from from Woody Guthrie and Bob Dylan, and uh, you know, even even to a degree, Gordon Lightfoot. Um, you know, these they're grounded in not American folk, but in in the UK and yeah. and in the, the traditional folk songs that came out of the UK. So. It's kind of this uh, cyclical thing, I think, of it kind of coming back to them of, well, the music's changed, but it's not really changed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but the kind of, so you've got a new single coming, or that's already been released, you said about a week or so ago. Uh, yeah. What's the name of that single, and uh, what's kind of the story behind it? That's uh, That track is called uh, Whiskey Dick Picnic, and... It was actually one of the first two songs that we were writing on um, when, when we decided to kind of embark on this thing because we came up with this little intro hook thing and then this concept of, you know, how how you can be, especially when you're when you're young, you can be infatuated with an idea of something like love or, or you know, you're going on your first date with somebody. And then, you know, if you build the expectations up in your mind to be this this thing that's going to be, you know, out of this world and stuff, it's really easy for those expectations to fall a little bit short. So we, we, we were trying to capture that in the song, but also have some fun with it and, and you know, um, really bring, a, you know, to light the, the real issue of, of uh, Whiskey Dick these days. Nice. That's, that's interesting. Oh, so was so is this song working towards like a ep or is it just going to kind of live as a single on its own 
Um, we've been releasing, actually, we've been releasing everything just to singles right now. Um, they do feed into a, a larger album, which we'll, we will put out at some point. Um, but because of the way that, that the group is organized, um, it just, it's kind of makes sense for us to do it this way where we're doing, you know, a single every couple months. Um, and then also kind of have them come in in, in little, um, like two or three at a time type deals, but not really doing an EP um, just because it doesn't make all that much sense for us from a, you know, level of actually just wanting to get the music out and heard to hold on to things and to say, oh no, we need to release it as five songs or as 11 songs or whatever. Yeah. So I got you. We've got another three or four that um, I'm thinking we'll probably be putting out August, September. Okay. Um, and uh, just, you know, more fun fun songs that that uh are jam alongs and sing alongs nice um and so with one thing that you kind of uh alluded to or mentioned and i'm kind of interested about is you've been recording everything kind of remotely correct yep so what's kind of been that experience like and what are some of the uh logistical issues that you've run into or that you've picked up on? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the, it definitely takes some coordination, but at the same time as it, 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 it has been something where everybody having their own little home studio setups and then being able to feed into the, the, the one here in Nashville. And then, uh, our buddy in, uh, down in Florida, one of the other band members has one. And, um, it's really allowed us to, to get vocals laid down and then and then move them around usually it's usually it's vocals sometimes it's, it's some guitar and other instruments but um you know it really kind of opens the uh the toolbox of, of of creativeness uh by by letting everybody contribute and letting everybody you know get into it our uh our, our buddy up in canada just for a quick story on it was was dusting off his equipment and he sends me a text message this is like right after the project starts and he's like he has one of those uh, like standalone old BR boss recorders and <laughs> he sends me a text to be like, I can't get this thing working, man. And I was like, well, that's cause it's 15 years old, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, but, but he's a hoot and uh, um, all, you know, always fun. All, he's just that old school guy. <laughs> it's like, he's 15 years old and it's probably analog still. Oh, so it, well, actually, I think that the one he has is like right when they first made the digital ones, but most of yeah. it is still analog. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. I, yeah. I remember trying to do something very similar, trying to get like a, an analog mixer to f give me a digital signal. And this was back when I knew nothing about nothing. And it was like, I talked to my now sound engineer. He's like, dude, that's a analog mixer. You're not going to get unless you have like a converter or something you ain't gonna get shit from it so yeah yeah the uh the change in the technology is uh is uh pretty exponential and and fun to watch in some ways but you know i remember when i was first learning um and taking audio classes you know we were we were splicing tapes still they were they were teaching us how to do that and it was like this is going away in two years like nobody's gonna do it there's no yeah. reason to do it so yeah. Well, that that's like the weird part is like if you're in that transition period where digital is still was still like a new thing and they hadn't completely switched over, it's like, well, what are they going to teach you? It's like they don't have anybody that really knows anything about digital, but then they know the analog and the tape stuff isn't going to be around. So it's like, you know, you're in that weird part of weird part of transition. I was almost caught in that same transition um, when I was taking like film and stuff because it was like digital was just really starting to do mainstream and they had just gotten rid of like the uh, film aspect of everything to the point that they had asked me like right when I first started like hey do you want to take your like generic stuff because we haven't quite completely transitioned over to digital stuff but this film stuff is like on its way out it's, so it was just like you know 
being a, I'm being from the film aspect, I completely understand the transition from film tape to digital. Like it, it's a completely different beast. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it opens, it opens some doors and then it closes other doors and it's, it's a, uh, it, it, it's a pretty interesting time we're living in where you can make something sound so close to the real thing where it was actual, you know, mm. transistors that were doing it and, and actual tubes. And now you can have these, these software programs where, I mean, it, it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the only thing that drives me nuts right now about the mixing mastering and like the post process right now is you've got so many, like considering and I do like the live and amplified thing. I get so many ads for all these like, hey, you send me your song and we'll master it in 15 minutes and it's going to sound amazing. And so like, I forget what they're called now because I haven't seen one in a little bit, but like they're the automated master mastering yeah. programs. Yeah, And it's like, you're going to pay them $15 every time you want to send one of those and it's going to come out mediocre where you can learn to master yourself. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times, you know, a lot of that comes down to just, you know, what your mastering chain is, you know, and then knowing how to tweak it. Like yeah. for when, for our getting our songs mastered, uh, the guy that we work with is just, I mean, he, he mostly, he, he mostly does stuff dealing with uh, like sound effects and, you know, sound effect creation and all that stuff. So, so he's got some really good things that allow him to make movie quality grade stuff. And, yeah. you know, to do a, a little podunk country band like us, where it's a, uh, you know, pretty straightforward. I think, you know, I think it's a, something that's fun that it can be that way. And the, um, I know that it doesn't take him a ton of time, but he does put some time into it to make sure that, you know, everything's tweaked and sounding uh, like the, uh, you know the original idea of it and, and what we mm. want it to be like yeah gotcha gotcha and so when you guys sit down to record and like especially when you're doing it remotely how does that process kind of kick off like who are you laying vocals first are you laying like a guitar riff first how do you guys kind of start that process usually uh usually the scratch guitar parts will be the the first thing that we do um <laughs> Usually the, the person who's the primary writer on the song will kind of get the guitars down the way that they, they want them. I mean, in this group, everybody, every, pretty much everybody can play guitar to a degree. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll get those down and then, um, and then either send those, those, uh, those tracks up here to Nashville or, or to Florida um, and get, get some nicer guitars, but at the same feel. Mm -hmm. Um and then then we dig into the vocal stuff which we you know we really like doing <laughs> the multiple part harmonies and and uh some of us have been singing together for now going on 15 years 16 years okay. or something. gotcha so um that's when we really get into the fun stuff of, of tracking vocals and then making sure the vocals are are in tune and everything and and are working together well um but yeah, a lot of a lot of it starts. Uh, I mean, it, it starts with the writing and the guitars, um, and making sure that uh, the the songs are strong and and they're they're how we want them to be. Gotcha. So when it comes to you or whoever's doing the the lead vocals on it, you've already pretty much got a nice little instrumental track made, and then you just kind of start playing with the vocal part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, each song's been a little bit different in that area because. Uh, at this point we've released four tracks um and each one of them has a different person singing lead on it mm, gotcha. um so you know the, the band really doesn't have a lead singer per se um you know everybody is uh, able to take the point position if they if they need to i mean people are obviously have their own strengths singing wise and their own weaknesses singing wise um but it, it does it does allow some some fun creative uh stuff to be able to switch it off and you know you know maybe if somebody's not feeling a part that they're singing just hand it off to somebody else give them a shot at it and see if uh, if they feel it a little bit better and um and then you can go back and uh you know it's it's so easy in the world today to just to capture different takes from different people doing the same thing too where then you can just run them against each other a b and say okay i like this what that you're doing here on the harmony but i don't like this that i'm doing here on the harmony so 
let's put yours here and you know move them around um but yeah overall um it does give us some some fun flexibility and then you know being able to go and add bells and whistles the harmonica and uh mandolin and auto harp and and um obviously then lead guitars which we've got a couple couple guitarists uh who are really good in the group and then some of us like me who uh are more towards the the mediocre end but but can still play yeah i got you (laughs) i got you um who are you listening to right now that um that you really like like maybe somebody that's up and coming who who are you pulling influences from you know stuff like that well um right now i mean i charlie crockett is is big for me i don't know if you've heard of him um but he's he's a he's on the way up um uh jamie hyatt is is on her way up too i mean there's just there's so many good people out there um uh actually a good classic country sounding guy dylan smucker is uh is headed up and um a lot of times i'm i'm an i listen to a lot of classic stuff i'm a big proponent of listening to an album on vinyl and listening to both sides of it just to get the feel that uh yeah. the artist wanted so i listened to a lot of uh towns van zandt um recently just been on a john prine kick since he passed yeah. and you know really kind of trying to dig into his uh his way with words which is more than songwriting more along the poetry lines of, of you know like tom waits and um and then, of course, Emmy Lou Harris and Linda Ronstadt, and uh, going back to Dolly Parton and Lynn Anderson and Patsy Cline. Um, so, you know, it's people say that country music is is uh, on its way out, but they've been saying that for years. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> you know, it it maybe it's on its way out in its tradition or in its current form, but I think like even with the rise of like I'm, I, I hate saying the rise of bluegrass but like you're, you're starting to see bluegrass come into the foreground a little bit more so like maybe you know who knows like I'm I, I agree with you like I don't ever really see it going away just maybe change morphing to what it is a little bit but there's always going to be a space for country music and there's always going to be country music fans and Nashville you have Nashville to thank for that, honestly. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. The, you know. uh, one of the things that kind of, you know, makes me think of a little bit is that like back in the the nineties and early two thousands, a lot of people were talking about how pop that country music was and, and how, how they hated it and how country was, was dead because of, of that. And now all those same people love that time. They look back yeah. on it and remember it as, you know, Oh, that was a good time for country music. So I, I don't know that, you know, yeah. I don't know that in 10, 15 years from now or 20 years from now, people won't be saying, Oh, you know, listen to listen to this old Eric Church or Luke Bryan tracker. Yeah. Um, you know, I do think that there's there is an element where the disparity between male and female artists in country music needs to be looked at. Um, because during the, the 90s and early 2000s that the a lot of the listeners there were a lot of female listeners and a lot of female artists who they were um looking up to and, and listening to and saying this actually relates to me and you know this this is addressing the way that i feel and uh i think we have a lot less of that now i mean you still have a lot of female artists but they're not getting the same radio airplay they're not getting the um the same kind of push from from the industry itself that they should be getting so that's something that you know i think is a major area of growth and opportunity for the industry mm-hmm. um and for the genre to to you know recognize that that uh the female country singers especially and especially in this town sometimes are far better <laughs> than yeah. a lot of the males <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know that, that was that's something that i've always kind of struggled with when it comes to uh like picking musicians because originally it was a lot of solo female country or not not so much country just like acoustic stuff that we were featuring but that's because that's who we had available and that was there and so that got us started down one path and then somebody asked me one day it was like 
well, do you only do solo female acoustic acts? And it's like, no, it's just who's available. Not saying that it, I was mad because they, they definitely need the platform. Or like they definitely are underserved in a lot of radio or as far as like radio play and like getting uh, pushed and all that stuff. So I wasn't mad, but it was just like, I felt like we were falling into that pocket of only serving one set of music. And so then we started changing and then I went to Nashville and it's like, okay, I'm seeing this guy and this guy really start to make moves, but what about her? What about her? Like there's so many good talented female musicians in Nashville that just aren't getting, getting any kind of love or getting any kind of play. And it's just like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe there is something in that move where we, you know, but I definitely see what you're talking about because there's a lot of really talented females that are better than some of the guys out there that are getting played and they, they need the, they need their, they need the platform as well. Like they deserve it. Yep. So, but you brought up Charlie Crockett. I knew I recognized the name somewhere. I was trying to get him on the podcast back in January. Mm. He was uh, supposed to be playing out in New Mexico and it was like right after the holidays. And unfortunately, when I found out he was playing, it was already like Christmas Eve. And so like I couldn't get a hold of his management team because he was playing like that weekend after New Year's Day. And it was just like by the time they got back to me, it was like the day of the show. And it's like, yeah, I can't make this happen because I don't live in New Mexico. Like I would have had to have at least a day's notice, you know? Yeah, but. yeah he's got an incredible story and uh makes incredible unique sounding music um i mean i i knew him playing open mics back in dallas um you know and he would be there occasionally and after after playing a set and playing a couple songs you know we'd go to the bar and get a shot and then this year i went and saw him here at uh actually it was basement east the the, <laughs> the, the venue that uh two weeks later or three weeks later would have the roof just decimated by a tornado yeah um, and you know he had he had the place sold out like it was it was so cool to see somebody who you know i'd seen on the the open mic stage with maybe 20 people in the bar and and now he's playing to hundreds of people in a packed packed room and uh um you know owning the stage and and, and putting on a heck of a show absolutely absolutely you know it's it's always great to watch an artist grow especially one that you've been following and you've never had had a chance to get to know a little bit you know just to watch them grow is absolutely amazing um so uh how are things going in nashville currently like i mean that you'd brought up the tornado it's it feels like it's just been an especially bad year for nashville you know and it's just like they, they y'all can't seem to catch a break or something. I don't know what's going on right now, but how how are things starting to look in Nashville right now? It's been it's been a pretty wild uh, ride since uh, whenever whenever that was beginning of March. Yeah, I think I was right at the beginning of March because yeah, you know I was living pretty close to uh, to downtown when the tornado happened, and I woke up in the middle of the night to not the sirens from the the warning system like you would expect, but the actual uh, emergency response vehicle sirens that were just like, this is like 1.30 in the morning or 2 in the yeah. morning. I've never heard that many <laughs> emergency vehicle sirens go off at the same time. And uh, they obviously were chasing the, the, the tornado but um, um, and what it left in its path. But yeah, between that and then, you know, two weeks later, global pandemic hits and um, and then, you know, the these protests and stuff, which, you know, have kind of created a bit of contrast overall because you know we had a situation here this weekend where four, 14 bars got cited mm. for being ridiculously over capacity um yeah. you know and the bar owners their their answer to it is like you're letting tens of thousands of people march in the street um you know to exercise their 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 first amendment rights and and to and to be able to gather and and uh, protest what something that you know needs to be protested and talked about and changed but when it comes down to it you know the the bar owner's argument is is that you know the 10,000 people in the streets means that they they can have people out on a Friday night packed into a room for to sell drinks to yeah 
And I, the one difference, if you look at the pictures between the protests and these packed bars, is there's nobody wearing a mask in the bar. No. I saw I saw the footage from the uh, what was it the Kid Rock bar? I'm not even sure where the Kid Rock bar is. That's right on Broadway and like Fourth or Third. It's it's right down there. It's right on the main stretch. Yeah, and it's like that looks like a regular Friday night. Nobody like Mm -hmm. yeah. And I know even here in Texas, like they they were talking about um, like people getting cited if they were open or over capacity or whatever, and one. One owner was like, all right, so if I get cited, it's a thousand dollars. I'm gonna cover that in the first two hours and I'm still gonna be able to make money. Like yeah, it I doesn't mean, even quick and, and in this town where you know you pack those places and they're selling, you know, a vodka Red Bull in a plastic cup for 15 bucks. Yep. So you know, I mean it's 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 out of control and it's ridiculous. And it's I get it that people are hurting because of the being shut down. Mm-hmm. Um but the bars that are like Acme Feed and Seed, which is right down the street from Honky Tonk Central and from from Kid Rocks, they haven't reopened back up yet because they get it that if we open up too early, which is appears what we're doing, yeah, um, it's going to cost everybody in the long run because we're going to have to shut back down again if this thing gets out of control. Yeah, you know, and um, it like it's it's just some pretty short short-sighted stuff overall um but you know people are people and they've been cooped up and they want to be out and they're they're not thinking with the with the sense that the good lord gave them (laughs) and i i know here in waco there's a place down the street from me that's been open and they're operate i think they're they're i think right now we're only allowed to operate at 25 percent capacity which is fine but the bar is so small that like 25 percent of their capacity is only like 20 people yeah and it's like if you've got any decent sized staff or unless you're like keeping your staff short but they bring in a music act like this weekend they got a trio coming in so let's say they have a minimum of four staff members because they have like a front bar and like a back backyard bar whatever you want to call it so that you got four people there plus the trio and then anyone that they break it it's like okay so that's half your capacity right there how are you making money at this you know yeah so i played i played a set not this weekend but the weekend before mm-hmm. um just at you know a little a little spot and and the first time I'd have had to have my temperature taken and everything before playing. I've never had that happen before. And I was like, yeah. this is kind of weird. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, what it's going to come down to overall, like, is if these places don't, I mean, they'll, like you said, they'll pay the fines, even if, even if the fines are decently large, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll pay the fines. Yeah. Uh, what you got to do is you got to threaten their liquor license and tell them, yeah. Hey, if you well, keep doing this, we're just we're just gonna take this like you. It's it's basic public safety and public health, guys. Like, <laughs> and well, and that that's what originally got a lot of these places was it was like, and I understood that originally it was just like, yo, these places have to close. If the government says close, they're gonna close because where do they get their liquor license from? Right. It, it's not a private business that sends out these liquor licenses they have to go through the state they have to go through atf they have to go through you know all this stuff so yeah unfortunately the people the people who are disregarding some of the the health stuff are are not the people who are going to be like loving the state getting into their business you know (laughs) so so when the state comes to them and says hey knock it off or or we're going to suspend your liquor license that's going to set up some, some interesting times in court. I have a feeling. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, you, you've got differencing of opinions on everything, which is fine. That's great. Like, I think the differencing of opinions, as long as you can have civil discourse and have open conversations about those opinions, yeah, that's great. Cause that's what the first amendment's all about. But the second that you try and, 
suppress somebody's freedom of speech then it's just like okay no yeah yeah the, the freedom of speech versus the i mean it, it goes back to that classic argument you know that classic scenario where where does the freedom of speech end and it become a a, a danger to people you know you, you wouldn't go into a, a theater and yell fire no. <laughs> like it's just it's so it, it's it's you, you got to walk that line and you got to know that there is a line there that, that it's not like I, I can just say whatever i want whenever i want and and if it hurts other people, we'll screw them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that that's where just becoming a real human being and being like an authentic human being comes into play. Because I think anybody that has any real conscience or real feelings or emotions towards anyone, they, they understand that where you've definitely got those people where it's like, nope, fuck everyone else. It's all about me. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yep. And those aren't real human beings, you know? Yeah. They're, so. they're uh, you know, I think it's the key word there being the selfishness of, of not having the, the care for, for your fellow man and, and to just really be into, into you and into what, you know, what you want right then and your instant gratification, you know, that's a, that's not a good uh, trait to have as a person. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But um, so as we kind of start moving towards the end of the podcast here, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate you uh, sitting down to chat. Uh, what do you what's the plan for the future? Are you going to continue trying to do like the solo acoustic stuff that you is that's what you played last weekend was like a solo acoustic set? Yeah, yeah. I was just I was just out actually. And uh, I didn't even plan on playing. I had a friend who was playing and was hey do you want to play a couple songs and i said well i haven't been on a stage since a while ago so why not so I, yeah. yeah i mean it was it was freeing and it felt pretty pretty good to get back up there um i'll be doing a little bit more of that even though um you know with with things going the way they are with the with the virus and everything i'm not inclined to be uh in bars or in places where there's a lot of people even with a uh, security mask precautions taken. It's, it's, uh, so we'll, we'll see when, when this mess clears up a little bit about getting back and playing some, some acoustic shows. And then, um, you know, I'd like to get everybody sometime this fall or as many people as can make it, uh, here to Nashville to do a show. I don't know where we'd play. Um, but we'll have to find the right, the right location for it. Maybe, play a couple play four you know five six song set and and get some footage of it and stuff so that we can uh continue to move the project forward um yeah absolutely. you know we only have four songs out out of you know 20 some that are in the pro process of being written so mm. so there's uh there's a lot more music that we're going to be putting out into the world and um you know really take we are just taking our time with it and having fun with it though because that's what it really comes down to it's all about for everybody i mean life's too life's too short to to you know take it seriously all the time and especially in the world it's right now a pretty serious place to be in um yeah, it's absolutely. nice to be able to laugh and to have something to laugh about yeah absolutely so i'm gonna ask you a question here that i put out on our facebook last night i didn't see you respond so i i, I feel free asking you this question uh, what are you doing to challenge yourself musically right now with the whole pandemic kind of giving everybody more free time? Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Cause I've been, I've been reading, um, I've got a, uh, this book, uh, which is songwriters on songwriting. And I've been reading these interviews, um, which has been really nice. Um, and then, uh, been listening to and trying to learn some new songs. Um, okay. uh, the, during this time it's kind of felt like a good a good little break from the craziness of life and and uh it's a good time to to learn some new songs and then to kind of branch out from from what i usually listen to a little bit and uh it's also been something where i've been trying to figure out uh a lot more about how spotify uh playlist submission and all that stuff goes down from a business sense and mm -hmm. and just you know, trying to really look, I think one of the things that, that has stood out to me in the past two or three weeks with the protesting and the, you know, and the way the world is looking um, with, with an election coming up in November is, 
you know, where are the the musical protest songs? Where, yeah. where are the Pete Seegers, the the Woody Guthrie's, Bob Dylan's? You know, how you know in the world right now can we be missing that? Yeah. So, and I mean. I they, I've definitely heard a few that are out there. They're just not getting the traction that mm-hmm. they should. Like whether it's because they're not that good or that relatable or what, like whatever, um, you want to say about them. But I've heard a few. They're just not getting traction. So it they're not coming from like mainstream artists that you'd think that maybe they'd be coming from or somebody that's like up and coming. You know. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's one of those things where to put out anything that's that's an actual statement musically, politically, socially, you know, it's easy to to say we're going to take a day to recognize this and nobody's going to going to be promoting and working and stuff and we're all going to change our social media squares to to black or to black lives matter and and it's harder to take the bigger step of of creating and putting something out there that you know is going to specifically offend people, that there are yeah. going to be people who are not, you know, and people who may have liked you before yeah. who are going to, you know, not follow you out on that branch because, because they're afraid of falling. Yeah. Um, and the, like, like just to kind of piggyback off of that, you've got like musicians that are maybe want to write a protest song, but they don't want to get the stigma of being, Yep. like confrontational or controversial or being that protest songwriter. And it's like, in this day and age, it's not really the case anymore because you could write that one protest song and it blow up. And then ju- as long as you have something right behind it, that, you know, you're not going to get known as that protest song. Like, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. It is what it is, but That's you know where where you know uh, Taylor Swift has kind of stepped up to the plate and made some pretty, pretty you know powerful statements using her her megaphone over the past few weeks and and um, you know and it's on simple it's it's on simple stuff that you know we're at the point where we got to make some some hard choices and and uh, really talk about some hard subjects and not just talk about them in a way where we're pointing fingers at each other and, and saying this is a problem but instead say why is this a problem how do we how do we with empathy and with love move past the problem yeah um and get ourselves to a place where you know we don't we don't have to have fear as a motivating factor in our in our lives and uh that you know that goes for uh, for everybody <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know it's it's interesting because we've definitely been in that same position. Like when everything started happening, like for the longest time, our, our stance was anytime we're talking to somebody, the topic or the only two rules we have on this podcast is no religion, no politics. Yeah. (laughs) Just because we know how divisive and controversial that gets. And so just by pure, just by default, we make that, a no-go zone now as we've been doing it we've learned a lot of musical upbringing is rooted in religion so we kind of pulled back on that we're not going to go like straight to the bible throwing out bible quotes and all that stuff but you know we're not gonna like oh he brought up the word religion cut him you know we're not doing that right so like we've kind of learned that lesson but like even on the political side of things, it's like, okay, we have to try and remain as dead center as we can. Mm-hmm. Whatever we do on our personal profiles, that's fine. As yeah, long definitely. as it, it, as long as live and amplified doesn't lean one side or the other. And then I found out shortly afterwards, it's like, nope, that even means me too. Cause I'm more of the public face of everything. So if I lean one side or the other, and then everything kind of, ha- or as everything started unfolding with George Floyd and all the protests, it's like, all right, we're at a cri- pivotal crossroad right now. Mm-hmm. Do we just keep doing what we're doing or do we stop, say something, make a stand, make it known where we're at, yeah. and then just kind of figure out where the, where the shrapnel lands, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's hard because there's just, there's certain connections in the world that, that you can't 
you can't avoid them, you know, and, and, you know, I think that the, the first time I ever heard the religion and politics thing is like that, that those are the two subjects that you just don't want to talk about in a bar with somebody like yeah. no reason to bring them up, no reason to, to go there. Cause you know, the, the beers that you're having or the, or the whiskeys that you're having are, are good the way they are. Yep. Um, but I do think that there's a time where the beer and the whiskey is no longer good and you know, you need to make a, a stand and you need to stand for something. Um, yeah. And uh that's probably the hardest hardest thing to do overall is to is to make that decision that you, that you're gonna you're gonna stand stand for something that, and that you're gonna speak out and you know be able to amplify your voice and to be able to amplify other people's voices towards the uh, towards the the good of each other and and to, towards creating a better world for uh, for humankind. Yeah, and I will say though the one thing that I've learned. Do, especially within the, over the last month as everything's kind of been happening as long as you make the statement and so like we decided that we were going to participate in the blackout tuesday what was that like two weeks ago i guess at this mm-hmm. point or was that last week i, I keep a track of time in this yeah. during the pandemic <laughs> so <laughs> whenever the blackout tuesday happened uh, yeah. we decided to participate and then we really, um, so we made our stand there and, you know, we've kind of been putting out, obviously having the open discussion on the podcast also opens up where we lay on or where we stand on things, you know, it's just like, obviously shit is hit the fan and it isn't right what happened, you know, so we, we don't need to make that any clearer. And we've definitely lost some people that were like, yo like you know that's not cool like you know just like certain people that disagreed with our stance and Uh it was mainly because a couple about a week or so ago i had shared a post that was kind of funny in my opinion it was a guy dressed as a cop with his back turned to like some they were uh harm or like the, it was basically a guy with his back turned to a telescope um and the caption was cops during the george floyd incident mm-hmm. and then he was looking through the telescope cops when your tags are out of date you know and it was just like yeah. it, it was a funny in my opinion it was a funny meme that was uh showcasing or talk very topical at the time and i had a few people message me it was like no that's not cool man like yeah. nobody thinks this is right and it's like okay i I don't know what to tell you but i mean it's it's hard because because it seems like people are almost at this point just conditioned in general to be super sensitive to everything so no matter what you say somebody is probably going to get offended yep um and you know if you want to stay sane and 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 have a you know healthy balance in yourself <laughs> I think mm-hmm. you do. You have to be able to to find humor and to find, um, you know, happiness in, in in the times, even though there are these these huge issues that are confronting us. But yeah. you know, to be able to confront them with a uh, with a sense of a sense of pride and a sense of that this these things can be overcome and fixed mm-hmm. versus just every chance that we get, you know, attack each other and tear each other down for things that honestly are uh you know trivial and and you know sometimes like like a meme or, or, or sharing a meme like that shouldn't be causing that type of issue <laughs> like anybody anybody who's offended i mean you, you have the right to be offended but yeah like I, i'm not gonna be <laughs> you, know? you know and so we're we're definitely working on a few things right now to help try and raise funds, you know, we're trying to figure it all out right now. Unfortunately, with the pandemic, I don't have access to my team like I normally do. Like, I can't just, hey, we're, we're going here and we're going to do this. You know, we have to be a little bit more calculated because I live in Waco. They still live out in New Mexico. And so it's like a seven and a half hour drive, you know, so I don't have easy accessibility to them right now. But we're working on some stuff so uh we're really excited about it and 
not saying like and it, it's kind of interesting though that all of this happened as rage against the machine was getting ready to do their comeback tour yeah you know like they were supposed to start playing what was it in march or april like right as the pandemic hit that weekend that everything started shutting down they were supposed to start doing their reunion tour yeah i mean it's it's a it's, it's amazed me that like there's i mean or the people are have just there's been people who i guess are huge rage against the machine fans who didn't realize that like they are a political yeah man. it's like how'd you miss that like yeah. it's not even like it's not even something that, that, that you know they're they're pretty they're pretty clear about how they feel like yeah. in their lyrics and in their music yeah and even if you listen to like tom morello's solo stuff oh yeah like <laughs> you guys missed it because i didn't you yeah. know well it's it's the they may listen to it but they definitely didn't hear it <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely uh but one thing i want to talk about before we uh kind of wrap this thing up and i i just kind of picked up on this that through all your music videos you kind of represent the band as like little lego figures uh-huh is whose idea was that and how, how would you kind of come up with that idea because that's really cool and different that one, that one was one of mine and honestly it kind of came from the initial discussion of us you know not wanting to to attach our faces to the project as much mm -hmm. um and instead to be able to create a a family of characters um that uh that we could represent i mean you know it's not the, the flaming lips kind of do it there's 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 groups that do it but yeah um and so we are you know just i was thinking about it one day and it's like well if i remember correctly lego made some cowboys back in the day you know they had classic western wonder wonder if we could put some of these together and just use them as the avatars for the band and kind of create their backstories and you know fuse them with the the actual members so that there's uh you know they're they're real yeah <laughs> um but at the same time uh using it as a different kind of creative outlet and it, it also allows us to create some fun uh media we did a uh lyric video for our song drink a little less smoke a little more that's starring the legos and yeah. uh you know they're uh they put on a heck of a show on stage they're the, the travel costs are far less than yeah. uh than transporting us all around yeah um, so you know it, it's it's just it's a fun thing and uh um it's been received pretty well by people i mean a lot of times uh we've gotten a kind of you know wtf type thing but it's also uh something that keeps some mystery and some some questioning uh the group and the project uh for the people listening cool cool you know because that was the one thing that i noticed like i before you jumped on here i was watching the drink a little less smoke a little more video and then i just kind of went through the rest of them and i was like oh this is like a consistent thing across you know across everything and so it's like okay that's really cool and so i figured i'd bring it up and kind of figure out what the idea was behind it so it's it's awesome yeah it's, it, it um <laughs> it kind of kind of came out of nowhere on it and just as an idea and then um you know it's been nice because everybody's been uh contributing to their to creating their own stories and to creating the the vibe of the band and the the vibe of the buntry family so uh, one of our next songs that we have coming out, um, which I think it'll probably be late August, early September, mm. is called uh, Benny Buntry's Place. And uh, it's a parentheses name is You Ain't Made It Till You Own a Bar on Broadway. Oh, um, <laughs> nice. I'm really proud of that one. I think that that one is probably the best song we've written yet. And uh, I'm excited to get that out to the world and to kind of make a little bit more of our own outlaw statement uh, while still using toys to do it. <laughs> nice awesome awesome um so where can everybody find you online find any all your new all your current music any new music you know all that fun stuff well we're on all the streaming services and uh and retail sites so itunes spotify um if you want to connect with us uh social media wise it's uh at pro buntry band for instagram and then just uh facebook.com slash crow buntry um for facebook and uh we have a twitter but we're not big uh big tweeters um yeah. at this point uh that that may change we may we may 
hire a, a bird or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing, real quick, little side note, the interesting thing about Twitter, I found like not even being so much like posting your original content, just finding out what's going on in the world and interacting is where Twitter fits. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, that's definitely, I mean, personally, I've never had one and, and uh, I've, I've always thought that uh, I like the idea of it and the concept of it, but it also can kind of give a megaphone to somebody who can't talk in more than a certain amount of characters. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's not exactly what, what, what we're looking for all the time, but um, we are on there. I think it's a, uh, Band Buntry, maybe at Band Buntry. I'd have to double check on that one. I got uh, my computer right here, so while you're you're doing that, I'll check real quick. Yeah, it's uh, but um, yeah, but I mean, Facebook and Instagram is definitely the best way to keep up with us. We're you know we're posting the songs on there, and um, you know we do have a slight order to the songs the way they're coming out. We just released a, a remix uh, with the boys from over at Support Staff, which is of our song Tonky Honk Tractor, which is a little bit more of a dancey, hip hop type tune, poppy, um, probably as far in that direction as we're going to go, but who knows? Yeah. Um, so uh, that, yeah, that's out there. Um, and uh, on all the social media stuff, you can find us and find the music. Awesome. Awesome. And your Twitter is band bunch at band Buntry. Oh, I got it right. Yep. Nice. Ready? But, Ray is going to be happy with me. My uh, Ray M. Buntry, the uh, one of the other guys, was yeah. he created it, and I, I keep giving him issues because I can't remember what it is. <laughs> but I guess I can. That's, nice, awesome. Uh, but once again, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sitting down and chatting with us. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys later. Thanks for having me.